Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby of Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't going to tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. Yesterday, um, I was doing some work in the bathroom and uh, needed to go out to find a tool that I thought was in the house. It wasn't, so I go out to the shop to look for it, and I kind of gave a cursory glance to, to some of the big shelves on the side, but there's a, another shelf that somebody had brought in and put that back there by the freezer. And, you know, I was just kind of looking through that just to, I didn't think it was there, but I'm, you know, I'm looking through these tools and everything and I'm sitting there thinking my mind's a hundred miles away. I'm like, where did I put that? And I turn around and I look over at the other shelves again and I just take off walking and at a good walk, I run the bale spear from the tractor right into my shin, about right there where there's absolutely no meat. Oh, my. I mean, it's only a big tractor. I don't know. I, you know, missed it, you know. But I, I said a bad word. I don't remember what it was, but it was a lot. And I hobbled over. I sat on the gator, the little side-by-side -side that we use to feed and check cows, you know, or whatever. And I sat there, and the only thing that I could think about was something that my dad had said growing up my entire life. And I hate it. And it's absolutely true. I hate it. I was getting mad at my dad for saying that my entire life, even though it's the truest thing I've ever heard. So I was sitting there, and all I could hear was my dad's empathetic voice going, It'll quit hurting in a minute. Well, it didn't. Nine years to quit hurting. I mean, it still hurts. But like, that's what my dad said to us all the time. It'll quit hurting in a minute. He'd just laugh about it, right? Get bucked off on your head. He'd be like, it'll quit hurting in a minute. So throw, hit him with the end of my rope. Yeah, it'll quit hurting. No, I didn't do that. Of course not. But while this past week, I noticed that Jesus said something like that. Oh, you've got something that maybe your spouse or, or, or your parents or a good friend or a mentor. You know, we've all got those little things that people just say all the time. And you may not even like them, but it's true, right? Jesus had one of those same things. And I thought about that while I was, after I kind of quit being mad and my, my shin kind of quit hurting so much. And in some ways, what Jesus said Maybe it was nearly all he said in some form or fashion. Not, not totally, but he said this so much in some form or fashion that you might think that we would pay better attention to it. If it's that obvious over and over and over, he harped on it and he harped on it and he harped on it. But I don't think that sometimes we truly understand just how important that is. What do you think it is? Not only is it important, Jesus thought enough of it, to not only repeat himself over and over and over, died for it. And we find out what that is in John 34. John 13, 34, Jesus himself says, a new command I give you. A new command. Meaning that before Jesus said it, it wasn't a command before. And think about this. This it wasn't in the Old Testament. He says, a new command I give you. Love one another. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Love one 
And I mean, how, and I know that that doesn't strike anybody. It's like, Jesus said to love each other? I know that. I know that this is so obvious, okay? But do we really do a good job of it? Can, can we maybe figure out a better way to live like Jesus did? And today we're going to about seven ways love like Jesus did. And honestly, none of them are going to be like some overwhelming, like, oh, I never thought of that. Okay, it's not like that. But sometimes the most powerful things are the most obvious things. And if they're that obvious, maybe we can do a better job at doing them. Seven ways to love like Jesus did. The first thing that, uh, that I thought about whenever I was thinking Jesus loved others was Jesus never took anything personal. Never took anything personal. You know, there was this one time that they were going along and Jesus sent James and John, uh, Zebedee's uh, sons, they were brothers. He sent James and John up to a village to you know, tell everybody, hey, y'all gather around, the Messiah's coming, the chosen one's coming, the Savior of the world is coming, this, you know, the Son of God is coming. And they got there and they told them, they're like, we don't really want him here. I'm like, what do you mean you don't want him here? I'm like, no, we don't, we, eh, nah, that's not for us. So they run back to Jesus and they're like, hey, Jesus. These dudes over here, they don't want you there. And so they asked Jesus if they could, if they could call down hellfire and brimstone on them. <laughs> they don't want you, Jesus. Let's just destroy them. <laughs> you know, I have a different opinion of Jesus than a lot of people. I think he was cool, right? He was God, yeah, but he was cool. He was a likable guy. He was just an ordinary guy if the Son of God could be ordinary. I think he looked at James and Joe's like, guys, listen. I appreciate your enthusiasm, but we are not going to rain hellfire and brimstone down on these people for not wanting me to come into their village. Oh, man, you, can you, the other 12 guys like, oh, I thought we'd, no, that's not it. But Jesus personally is like, well, we'll just go around. We're not going to take this personal. We're just going to go find somebody that does want to be safe, somebody that does want eternal life. We'll find them. Maybe they'll invite us back later. Who knows? But Jesus didn't take it personal. Which leads us to the next way to love like Jesus did. Love anyways. Love anyways. You know, Jesus wasn't just loving when people listened and did what he said. Have you ever talked? <laughs> the best illustration of this I can give is I was in Vegas one time. And you know, they got them people that say, hey, man, come in here. And if you watch this presentation on our, uh, what do you call it, timeshares, we'll give you free tickets to whatever. I was like, dude. I will listen and I will take your ticket and I ain't buying nothing. And they're like, oh, no, that's fine. That's fine. Come on in. We just want to love on you and just you know, share what we have. Like, okay. So I walked in there. I listened to their one-hour presentation. I said, give me my tickets to the Blue Man Group. I'm out of here. They're like, no, you, aren't you interested in this? I said, absolutely not. And they come up with a thousand excuses. And for the hour, and I was their best. I mean, like, I thought we were going to exchange texts and, and bake each other pies, maybe some foot rubs. I mean, we were getting that tight until I said no. And then I was a jerk, right? You get out of here. I mean, it, Jesus didn't love like that. Jesus didn't just love those that, that loved him back. He loved everybody anyway. He loved them anyway. Jesus loved first, and he loved anyway. You know, there, there were no buts in Jesus' love. Think about that. And, and I'm sorry to say, there's, there's a lot of buts in my love sometimes. You know? But Jesus didn't have any buts in his love. He loved you, period. 
He loved you, period. There was no, there was no I'm going to love you, but if, if you don't do this. It wasn't like that. It wasn't like that at all. Seven ways to love like Jesus did. First one, don't take anything personal. You know, after service, uh, a gentleman came and you said, don't take anything personal. He said, let me tell you what a friend of mine always says about that. And I was like, what? He goes, he always says when something like that, he goes, a lesser man would have taken that personal. I was like, ooh, I like that. I'm not going to tell you how many times I was a lesser man, though. Don't take things personal. Love anyway. Don't let there be any buts in your love, man. If you want to love like Jesus did, you just got to love. Love anyways. The third one, give the... I can't think of a better way to love than to give somebody the benefit of the doubt. It's called grace and mercy. And it's what Jesus was sent to teach us how to do. I mean, you know, you, you think about this, okay? This is probably the two verses I have most often repeated in 13 years of ministry. Everybody knows the first one, but I think it is very incomplete without the second verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not have everlasting life. John 3.16. John 3.17. Jesus is talking. It's Jesus talking. For God so loved the world that He gave His one Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have life. For the Son of Man not sent to the world to condemn it, but to save it through Him. Jesus didn't come down here to say, wrong, and you're doing this wrong, and you're doing this wrong, and you're doing this wrong. Every interact the sinner that I have ever in the Bible resulted in Jesus' grace and mercy. Every single one of them. You know what? Every single person you come in contact with today, Tomorrow, the next day, the next day, the next day, until the day you die, every single person is fighting a battle that you know nothing about. That you have no idea of what. You know, they've got a deck of 52 cards and 50 laid out there on the table, but there's, there's one in their back pocket that nobody knows about. Maybe not even their husband, their wife, their mom, or their dad, their son or daughter, or best friend. Every single person that you come into contact with is fighting a battle that you anything about. And you know what else? So are you, and you know it. I don't know what it is, but I do know that you've got something in your life that you're just struggling with. And you know what? The best way I know how to love you sometimes is just to give you the benefit of the doubt. Just give you the benefit of the doubt. You know, unfortunately, I just got Friday from uh, a dear, dear cousin of mine died two weeks ago, and we had the funeral on Thursday. And <laughs> during the funeral, uh, Amanda was one of the most loving people I've ever, ever been around. And I'm not in that because she's no longer with us. Um, she was an RN. She was that empath love. Um, she had told her husband one time that when she hugged somebody, she hug on the left side so that the hearts line up. She wasn't a side hugger. And uh, her daughter... Avery um, hugs just like that. Somebody said that Avery will hug you with her toes. And that evening at the hotel in the lobby while we're all visiting, Avery came up to her uncle, Amanda's brother, and jumped up into his arms. And he goes, see, I told y'all, told y'all. And she had her hands wrapped around Ty's neck and her legs were wrapped around him and she had her toes dug back of his thighs. That's how Amanda loved. 
So during this service, there was like 15 people that talked. And I don't, I, it wouldn't have been complete with 15 of them. But I felt sorry for the ones at the end because they're like, I don't know what to say because I was going to talk about how much love Amanda showed everybody. And that's what everybody else has said, right? But during the funeral, Sammy, the youngest one, he's three or four. He was in the nursery. Well, the funeral went on a little bit longer than Sammy thought it should. So Sammy wanted his death. So here's Sammy down the aisle in this big, fancy, nice church that we're having a funeral in. But he's not just walking. Sammy's coming down the aisle. And he must have a Weatherby jean with the flat feet like I do because he's running down the aisle and it sounds like he's in a pair of scuba divers flippers. Flat! I mean, he's just echoing in this funeral. And everybody turns and looks. And you know what? Nobody got mad at that. He just lost his mom. He'll never remember his mom. Just something that happens. Everybody's fighting something that you don't know. And the best way you can love somebody is understanding that you don't know. Give them the benefit of the doubt. Give the benefit of the doubt when you love somebody. When you, no matter what they do to you, to say to you, no matter how bad it hurts you or pets your peeve or whatever the case, give them the benefit of the doubt. It's what Jesus did. It's what Jesus did. Seven ways to love like Jesus did. Don't take things personal. Love anyways. Give the benefit of the doubt. And number four, let it go. Let it go. Nothing is more detrimental to a Christian soul than unforgiveness. Nothing is more detrimental to a soul than unforgiveness. I mean, it's to the point that Jesus tried to tell us how much, how important it is. Because he said that, that if you don't forgive others, that God won't forgive you. Now, I don't think that that means that you're going to go to hell or anything like that, but I've seen so many Christians, well-meaning Christians, there's just something happening, and I don't even know what it is. I'm just giving the benefit, I just know it's there. They can't, they can't seem to be able to forgive somebody, and you don't forgive somebody, you get stuck. You just get stuck. You just can't move forward. And God doesn't, God never said to forgive. He doesn't mean that you're saying, well, you know what they did? I'm cool with it now. That is not what forgiveness means. That's not what forgiveness means. Forgiveness doesn't mean that you absolve the other person of the responsibility. Forgiveness doesn't mean that you're going to restore a relationship. Forgiveness means that you no go, you're no longer going to allow what happened to affect where you are today and where God wants you to be because you cannot move into that area of where God wants you to be with unforgiveness in your heart or holding a grudge. You know, very little to do with what the other person did and a lot more about what you will do to move forward in a Christ-like manner. During the first service on Facebook, one of our Long Acre Ranch Cowboys said, uh, forgiveness is, you know what, I'm just going to read it, because it was, it was that good. She said, forgiveness is letting go of the idea that the past could be different. It's not the acceptance and approval of wrongdoing. Isn't that pretty good? Forgiveness is letting go of the idea that the past could be different. It is not the acceptance and approval of a wrongdoing. Yeah, man, you, you want to love like Jesus did? Man, forgive. Let it go. Let it go. Not for their sake, for yours. For their, listen, you, you, I think a lot of people hating on an apology that's never come. And you know what? You don't, you don't need that apology. I never said it'd be easy. I said it'd be what God told us to do. And Ty even said that that, that trail is narrow and steep and hard. Well, 
It doesn't get any harder than that. Seven ways to love like Jesus did. Don't take things personal. Love anyway. Give the benefit of the doubt. Let it go. Learn to forgive. And the fifth one, feed someone. You know, Jesus fed people. Two different times the Bible says that he fed 4,000 one time and 5,000 another. That was just the men. So multiply that times 2.5 or, you know, whatever thing that you, you do to come up with an accurate representation. But, but not just the sheer amount of people that he fed physically, um, how about fed spiritually? There's a part, I believe it's in John, that says Jesus did all of these things and swore that it could not be written down. So we only know of those two instances. That might have been twice a week for all we know. Okay? But it's important. Even after the resurrection, after Jesus came back, after Peter denied him, Jesus pulls Peter off to the side and says, Peter, do you, hey, Pete, you love me? He's like, yes, Lord, I do. He said, feed my sheep. And then Jesus says, but Pete, do you love me? He's like, yeah, yeah, Lord, I do love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. And then Jesus said, but Pete, do you really love me? And I, and I bet Peter was getting exasperated. He's like, I do everything you know that I do. He said, then feed my sheep if you want to love like Jesus did someone. You know, this is one third of the ministry to save the cowboy. We have a three-part ministry. One is feeding people with good, wholesome, <laughs> ranch-raised beef. That's one of them. The other one is the ministry part, the, the live stream and what I do. And then the third part is what Mitch is in charge of, and that's serving others. But feeding someone is one-third of everything we do here at Save the Cowboy. And you know what? We could have stopped at one ranch, the one right down the road. We could have stopped at one ranch and called it good. We, we've got two ranches in Colorado. We, we could have stopped at two ranches and called it We've got another ranch in Illinois. We could stop at three ranches and call it amazing, but we're not stopping. We're just getting started. We are just getting started. And in Philippians 6, the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul says, and I am certain that God who began work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. We're not stopping. We're just getting started. Our goal is not to feed 5,000, but to feed 50 states. We're starters. We're starters. But we want to love like Jesus did. And I mean, we could talk about it for the rest of our lives and probably get nowhere close. But today we're talking about don't take it personal. Okay? Love anyway. Give the benefit of the doubt. Feed someone spiritually, physically. This, this isn't nothing new. I want you to quit being nice. I want you to quit being nice. See, Jesus never told us to be nice. He asked us to love kindly, to show kindness something. Not to be nice. There's nothing wrong with smiling at someone or holding the door open or, you know, whatever that, you know, shutting their gas tank that they left open after getting their gas. That's all nice, right? I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but a lot of people think that that is love and it's not because, see, nice doesn't cost you anything. Nice doesn't cost you anything. And kindness, love, requires a part of you. Nice is easy, it's convenient, and it's free. And there's nothing wrong with that, but don't stop there. Don't make that be the measure of your love, is just being nice. We need to learn to love, and that is hard, inconvenient, and expensive. To love like Jesus did 
requires a part of you, not just a passing, uh, oh, hey, you know, and I love Dolly Parton. You know, if, you don't, if someone doesn't have a smile, give them one of yours. It's so nice. But let's not stop there. Let's not stop there. Let's learn to not take things personal. Love anyways. Don't let there be any buts in your love. Give the benefit of the doubt. Forgive on. Feed someone. Be kind. Don't just stop at nice. Don't let nice be the measure of your love. And finally, the last one. You got to learn tough love. Tough love. I've got a confession. Confession time. I am at a specific, very small piece of doctrine. And it's accountability, church discipline, going to somebody, holding them accountable. I stink at it. I stink at it. In 13 years, I've only thrown one guy out of church, and I literally, physically threw him out of church. I'm not going to tell you why he deserved it, and he knew he deserved it. And I should have thrown one other out, but I didn't, and that was a mistake on my But you know what? Here's the, here's the deal. If God's going to get on to me, if he's going to get on to me for something wrong, I'm going to mistake it by loving someone, not disciplining them. And I, and I know that, there, that there's a part of that, okay? I, I do. And I did get crucified a little bit on, on social media already for saying this. Oh, you know, you're... Listen, man, if we were to say like how love, the doctrine of love, like 95% and the church discipline part is like 1.72, okay? If I'm going to make a mistake, I'm going to make a mistake loving on somebody because you know why? Jesus himself said... Get the log out of your own eye before you worry about the splinter in somebody else's. And here's the deal. I ain't got a log in my eye. I got a forest in my eye. Okay? Who am I to come to you and say, you need to stop doing that because you're a sinner? Well, I am too. So maybe we just loved each other. You know, love drives out all fear, right? The doctrine of love is so much greater than that of discipline. And I know that there's some tough love that needs to be done. I know it. But you know what? There, there's a deal. Well, you're not supposed to live in sin. Well, let me, do, let me tell you the difference between living in sin and struggling with sin. Okay? We will never be free. Not you, not me, not anybody will ever be free from sin while we are here. Living in sin means you don't even care. Like, you don't give one iota about what you're doing is, is wrong. Okay? Paul talked about it in the Corinthian church. There was a guy that was sleeping with his stepmother and bragging about it to the church, and the church was high-fiving him. That is living in sin, okay? But there's all struggling with sin. I've struggled with some sins for 40 years, and I still struggle with it. Man, just about the time I think I've got it under control, man, it wallops me, you know? comes like with a haymaker with a left hook that you don't even... I struggle with sin. Some of them the same, but I'm not living in it because I know how detrimental it is to me and my ministry, but that doesn't mean I love. What if we use some grace and mercy along with that tough love? You know, but, but let's remember that Jesus used tough love too, right? He did. But you know who he used it on? He used it on the religious people that was trying to condemn everybody and think they're th the, the religious people that, that thought that their goat didn't stink, right? Because we all know some people like that. That's who Jesus used tough love on, not the sinners. 
the girl woman caught in adultery. You know, the woman caught in adultery, he just said, hey, I'm not going to condemn you. Go and sin no more. He was showing grace and mercy. So listen, Jesus was arrested after the Last Supper. Jesus was using tough love, if you haven't heard anything else. On those arrested, during and after the Lord's Supper, Jesus was using tough love. One of our long experience cowboys, Leah Jackson, shared this on Facebook. And when I read it, it brought a tear to my eye. And when I wrote this morning, it more than one tear to my eye. And I made it through the first service without choking up. And I'll try to make it through now. But I want you to listen. I don't know who wrote it, but this is what it says. Yet in that room, hours before the death of Jesus, Judas ate too. Jesus prayed for Judas too. Jesus washed Judas's feet too. I struggle to fathom that kind of love. A love that would feed the mouth that deceived you. A love that would wash the treasonous feet of the traitor could forgive even the vilest of betrayal. I honestly struggle to comprehend it. And then I realize that I am Judas. And in that moment, I'm so thankful and altogether overwhelmed that Judas ate. Do you want to preach to me about tough love? Folks, that is what Real, tough love looks like. Not condemnation, but to be able to do what Jesus did. Because what was going on, and he did it anyway. You want to learn to love like Jesus did? Things personal. Love anyway. Give the benefit of the doubt. Let it go. Feed someone. Do more than just be nice. And show tough love like Jesus did.